close encounters of the third kind, actual contact. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. All I gotta do is look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? yeah! The Sasquatch was approximately eight to ten feet tall. It looked very human-like, but it definitely wasn't a human. After seven years of research, I am more convinced than ever that the creature known as Nessie is a real, living animal. Others find it hard to believe and have come up with their own theories and explanations. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff. Welcome to Mysteriousnesses, episode number 16. I'm your host, John Jay, and with me, as always, Lauren and endless Mike Lance. Hi. Hey. Jared, funny business walker. <laughs> oh. He's over in the corner. He's a cute pug on it. Yeah. He's also wearing a cowboy hat and uh, no pants, which is weird. But usual. Well, the usual. He's, <laughs> he's making a sequel to the Dongcopter video. Oh, we got I a, hope so. We got a lot of business. <laughs> yeah, got a lot of business. I got business some... is on the rise. Hey, look at my dick. All right. Thanks, Jared. Uh, we, we got a great show for you. We're going to be talking about the Fae. Fairies. 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 Uh, I, I don't think you're allowed to call them fairies anymore. I think that's derogatory. Oh. You got to call them Fae. You got to call them by what they are, like changelings. Yeah. yeah if you just call them fair. I mean, that's their word, Mike. You got to yeah. call them uh, LGBTF. <laughs> yeah, the fair <laughs> fairies. Wait. <laughs> God damn it, Jared. <laughs> this is not something planet, so yeah. I'm not going to say lesbian, gay, trans, fag. Okay, thanks, Mike. Honey. Good job. So we got fairies coming up in the feature segment of our show. We also have an a awesome episode of You Believe in What? Hi. What? 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 But first, let's start off with some science news. You guys are going to like this good news. Uh Exercise pill turns couch potato mice into marathon. Oh, nice. Give me I've a read handful that. of them. Yeah, so we got an exercise pill that is being tested right now. Well, they just give them cocaine? <laughs> no. It's just is, it, is it full of uh, nanites? I, I don't think it's Nano full of machines, nanites. son. Micro machines. Micro machines. Well, no, it's not micro machines. Ex- okay, so it's not Chromecasting. Oh, well. Yeah. Whatever. Just tell me about it. An experimental drug touted as an exercise in a pill has dramatically increased endurance in couch potato mice. Even after a lifetime of inactivity, it appears to work by adjusting the body's metabolism, allowing muscles to favor burning fat over sugar. Uh, Sedentary mice prodded into exercising ran for an average of about 160 minutes on an exercise wheel before reaching exhaustion. But mice given the drug for eight weeks could run for 270 minutes on average. These mice were burning fat like conditioned athletes, even though they had spent their whole lives taking it easy. So, Oh, I still got to exercise? No, you'll want to exercise. You take this, you're just going to be like an athlete. It's just, oh, okay. You're going to be like, all right, are you going to take the pill for eight weeks, and then you're going to join the NBA. Oh, yeah. well, that's all I've ever wanted. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to join the WNBA. Yeah, at first. Because of your nappy hair. Yeah, it's because... Well, this isn't something Planet Mike. Yeah, I know. So don't that's, say that. Oh, sorry. Yep. Normally, running, cycling, or other prolonged exercise eventually depletes available glucose in the blood, leaving the brain short of energy. The brain then sends an emergency stop signal. Athletes call this hitting the wall. Training and conditioning shift the body to burning fat for energy, leaving an ample supply of glucose for the brain and other organs. Scientists at the Salk Institute for Biological Studies in La Jolla, California, developed the drug to activate a protein that regulates genes triggering during exercise. We believe it's tricked the body into thinking it's done some training. 
Oh, so it, it tricks your brain into thinking you've hit the wall, so it switches over to burning fat. Well, yeah, and it allows your metabolism to burn that fat. Usually that's something you have to train into your body. Yeah. Instead of just burning sugar I, I or just, carbohydrates that you eat. I just imagine that it just sends you into a panic attack where you feel like you have to run. And yep. then Here comes Lauren, who's like, I actually work to lose weight. This is bullshit. It is, it is bullshit, first of all. Well, well, when you take when you start taking that pill, you won't have to work for it. Yeah, but it still makes you work. I can't. You still have to exercise. You still have to exercise. But my point is that these mice just they just felt like running for no, two they, or three they were hours. Pro- they were prodded into yeah, it. Yeah, they they poked them with a stick. Well, if you poke electric- me with a stick, if they stop running, they get electrocuted. If you poke me with a stick, I'll run. But that's that shouldn't be. Well, I mean, so we don't even need that's this pill. You just true. need to hire a guy with a stick. Yeah, I poked I- you with a stick a lot of times. You mostly just go quit it. Yeah, hey, boy, what's up? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm excited for these new future drugs that'll enable me to be a lazy piece of crap and, and still look like still God. still look yeah still look like an athlete, you know, because my physique is so good looking now. It <laughs> takes a lot of work to keep this. I'm up. pretty sure if you did it, you would just slowly disappear. Just die. <laughs> yeah, you would die. Uh, let's check out some cryptozoology news. Okay. New Loch Ness monster footage stirs debate. That looks like a boat. It's, yeah, but the, the, oh. the Loch Ness Monster's right oh, there. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that, well, that, they should yeah. have centered the picture better. Because all you can see is the boat. Oh. This thing. Uh, but that's how the Loch Ness Monster always looks. That uh, is, yeah. That, that doesn't, that's not new. Why would that stir debate? The Loch Ness Monster always... Because well, it's smaller. Well, it's, it's, it's the son of Nessie. Yeah, it's like the neck looks like it's about six feet tall. Like, say, assuming that guy on the boat is six feet tall. Yeah. So the neck is about six feet tall, which is pretty big if that's just the neck. Or yeah. just the top of the neck. Uh, Nessie made worldwide headlines earlier this year after the cryptid's official record keeper, Gary Campbell, declared the mystery beast uh, log was missing. Luckily, the world's most poorly photographed creature seemingly returned just a few weeks later when an official sighting was recorded on May 1st, the first in nine months. This latest video is said to have been shot on the morning of May 7th, and like the last sighting, does indeed show, well, something sticking out of the frigid waters of the lock as a boat passes nearby. Uh, wait, we... no, I've got the, what the debate is. Is Nessie the most uh, unfocused photographed monster of all time? You went exactly I where I was going to go. I think Sasquatch. I think it's Sasquatch, personally. Let's take a look at at this video. Oh, there's actually a video of it. Okay. Oh, okay, let's check this so out. So it, it is actually moving. There's the boat. <coughs> there's the face. There. Yep, there's his head. Boat's just heading right towards it. Yeah, but look, the the creature's actually moving now. It's yeah. weird to me that they're just driving close to it and aren't bothered the by just it. Moves away they from might it. just be looking past it. That what an unfortunate moment. Do you realize how stupid you'd have to be to be there and the Loch Ness monster is right the fuck next to you and you're on the front of the ship and you don't even see it? They were probably I mean, busy dongcoptering. I mean, if if there is a Loch Ness monster in there, that's probably it's probably happened hundreds of times where people are right next to it and they just don't even notice Most it. Most people are dumb. That's that upsets me. It upsets me to think that you could be so close to the damn thing and just go right by it's it. It's still moving. Yeah, it's yeah, just it definitely around. moved. Say, so here's the original picture that looks like that. Yep, I remember that picture. Yep. Did they mention the people on the boat at all, or is it just... No, the, the, I guess they couldn't find the people on the boat. They wanted to talk to them. No. 
I saw I saw it, uh, yeah, it looks like quite far across standing. the lock near the castle, but by the time I stopped the van, it was very close, and other people stopped to take photos, too. Sadly, I don't believe in monsters, but would love to know what it was. So this guy's like, yeah, I saw a monster in the lake, but, you know, no, I, don't I don't believe, believe in believe monsters. In <laughs> I stopped to take a... P- All right, that's fucking bullshit. This guy was just trying to cover his tracks because he didn't want people to think that he was weird or whatever. Because he's a police officer and a very upstanding but member of the community. If, if you don't believe in in monsters, and especially not the Loch Ness Monster, and you're driving by and you see some random thing sticking out of the lake, then you're just going to assume it's a log. Why would you even stop? You're like, oh, I don't believe in that, so why would I even waste my time? That guy is just you trying... You wouldn't even consider that it would be the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, you wouldn't consider it. You don't believe in it, so why yeah, would so you stop? He definitely believes it. Yeah, he yeah, believes it. Shit. Own up to it, asshole. Yeah, so you can check out this footage in the show notes. This is uh, from MysteriousUniverse.com, and it's uh, from May 12th, so let us know what you think about it. Uh, next, a giant sea creature washed up in Indonesia, and people are freaking out. Ooh. So many fish. So, have you guys seen this uh, article? This has I been did, floating yes. around a little bit. It's oh, like I haven't. Gelatinous blob of something that they found in Indonesia. It's probably just like a half dead w- or uh, all dead whale. Yeah, like yeah that's, whale. that's usually what they say that turns out those that thing. Or was. a giant squid, maybe. It's like a bloated whale. It can't be a giant artist. squid because if you see in this uh, video right here, it's got big tusks. Oh, what? Oh, wow. Yeah, so well, that could be like like some kind of giant tooth inside the whale's mouth. I don't know. Oh, it says these aren't tusks. This is its mouth, but it's covered in decomposed skin. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, well, Weird. either way, squids don't have mouths, so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they have mouths, yeah. They well, they have beaks. beaks. Yeah, they have yeah, beaks. same thing. Uh, it's a little bit different. They're harder mouths. It's, it's still a mouth. Yeah, well, it wouldn't look like that. No. No. They, yeah, it well, would look a, like a giant a, bird beak. There's video. That's like the thing. only thing that lasts from a giant squid, right, is the beak. Yeah, because the beaks don't really... Yeah, I mean, they do... They, they do uh, everything uh, else decomposes, right? Faster. It decomposes yeah. faster. faster. Yeah, because uh, the mouth beak is just made out of uh, toenails. <laughs> it's made out of toenails? Yeah. Yep. The toenails of the eaten. Mm, that's good. Yeah, right. so, there's, so this thing is... Uh, they're saying it's a giant thing. It's at least 15 meters long. Uh, a couple experts are saying humpback whale, but in the area there's blue whales, sperm whales, and humpback whales. Let's check out the video. It's going to show the entire thing real quick. Yeah, that's that's pretty gross, and that it looks like a giant tusk sticking underwater, but it must just be a whale bone. Yeah, they say it's just teeth. I bet this thing stinks. Oh, oh my God. God. Yeah, Can you imagine? imagine? Oh, it's bleeding a bit. Yeah, there's well, blood yeah. in the water. Yeah, that's de- that's gonna attract some sharks. Yeah, just, I'm that's not a, chilling in that water. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, how you know it was it's real water? and alive. If it was just like uh, fake, it would yeah. be letting off uh, blood. Yeah, well, I, my, I would definitely <clears throat> coat that thing in kerosene and light it on fire. My thought on it is though, if, if it's been decomposing for that long, would it still be releasing blood? Shouldn't it? Yeah, be? that's pretty weird. That's actually a good point. Like it. I, to think that it's been decomposing for a long time. The uh, it might not necessarily be a long time. It, but it looks so deformed. It, yeah, it looks. I very mean, if it's deformed. a cr- if it's a creature that we know about, it's very deformed. I mean, it, think about maybe it. Maybe it's some kind of cryptid or some kind of creature that we don't even understand yeah. what it is. Like to stop <laughs> bleeding out when 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 something dies, for it to stop bleeding out, what would be like the longest you would give it? Like. Couple days, couple days. I would say this something thing, that big, maybe longer than that. Yeah, that's true. Might I don't know. Might this be thing slower. looks like it's been rotting for at least like a week. Yeah, it looks if real not gross. More. 
Well, keep in mind that water is going to decompose it faster. That's true. Yeah. So it is a mystery what this thing is, but I'm it sure is. I'm sure it smells wonderful. <laughs> oh, God. I'd love to just have that in a bottle to spray in people's face. <laughs> oh, just, God. Just carry that around and spray it. Uh, spray spray it into a Nazi's face. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah, there's there you some go. decomposing whale scent. <laughs> it's the an- the anti ambergris. <laughs> oh, no. Even the ambergris is gross. That's what is ambergris? It's like stomach bile? It, it's it's um, the same thing as it's a bezoar, isn't it? Like from a cow's stomach? No, it's a it's a it's stomach it's something from the stomach of a whale. Yeah, yeah but they use it to make like perfume or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's one of the most expensive substances yeah, on the, in the world. It's like it's a stone that uh, a stone from a whale stomach. stomach. Yeah. Yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. I hear it smells pretty bad, actually. But uh, yeah, we just decided we were going to use that to make perfume. I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, they also use like beaver anus and stuff like that. Yeah. So. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yo, girl, you got that nice beaver ass. <laughs> <laughs> Get that beaver scent. Uh, Lauren uh, requested to read this story. Oh yeah, I called dibs on this one so much. In Colorado, Hunter claims he was sexually assaulted assaulted by a Sasquatch. Daryl Whitaker. Look at his fucking yeah, face. Yeah, look at his dumb face. How could how could Sasquatch resist this guy in his awesome mustache? He looks like a beaver that that's like naked except for the mustache. <laughs> he actually kind of looks like the guy who was on the naked the naked on the shark from the other day. The naked on the shark. Uh, we, on something planet, we talked about a nude man posing on top of a shark. <laughs> Yeah, this guy would do that. Yeah. He would do that. Yeah. He's probably the push the bear guy. Yeah. Daryl Whitaker from Glenwood Springs in Colorado claims a Sasquatch attacked him and attempted to rape him while, rape him while he was walking in the woods. The 57-year-old man was walking to his hunting cabin on Sunday to see if it had suffered any damage during the winter. All of a sudden, a large, in quotations, gorilla-like creature dropped from a tree in front of him and punched him in the face. Damn. See, I don't know. See, I don't think it was actually trying to hurt him because I think if a if a Sasquatch actually punches a human as hard as he can, that human just dies. Yeah, yeah. you just. I'm dead. pretty sure you just well, die. No, that guy's just that tough, man. So that oh. was like a, it was like a, it was trying to be a high five, but he just just did a face five. Maybe he you know just softened him up so he could get his way. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know. It's not a full punch though. So that's yeah, maybe, maybe he was just trying to shove him. Well, <clears throat> yeah, because Sasquatch don't like raping. I'm pretty sure Sasquatch could just pick a guy up with one arm and throw him 30 feet in the air. Uh, that's what I imagine. He goes on to say it was at least eight foot tall, and it punches, and its punches hurt like hell. I was knocked right out at the first blow. While Mr. Whitaker was trying to recover from the attack, the large humanoid creature began to tear his clothes while letting out some terrifying howls. Oh, and they must be in heat. Oh yeah. I, I think uh, Daryl was in heat, actually. That's no. what that's what drew the Sasquatch <laughs> he, to them. His, his pheromones smell like a female Sasquatch <laughs> yeah. in heat. When I, <laughs> when I regained consciousness, he had already torn my pants and was tearing through my underwear. I stabbed him in the shoulder with my hunting knife, and that made him run away. Mr. Whitaker immediately reported the attack to both the Glenwood Springs Police and the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Agency, and a joint investigation well, has been launched. Well, good for him. You know, like, victims should speak out. You know, victims of sexual assault should always you, you contact should, the authorities. You should always contact authorities. Did they run a rape kit on him? That's an excellent question. Well, he wasn't, he didn't get end up getting raped. Oh, that's true. Yeah, there was no insertion, so they couldn't really. 
Um, Daryl Whitaker is convinced that the creature who attacked him was a Sasquatch, but the GSPD investigators say that it's more probable that the attacker is simply a particularly large and hairy man. Oh, God. That sounds... <laughs> That's, That's way scarier. worse. That's worse to me. That means there's a crazy, naked, hairy guy running around... The Punching people and trying to rape people? Out of trees. An eight-foot-tall, hairy man? That's yeah. bad. That's that's way worse than Sasquatch. Yeah, who, like, hides in the trees above you. That's horrifying. Yeah. They are currently interrogating nearby residents to see if anyone noticed an individual corresponding to the description of the suspect. According to the victim, the attacker measured around eight feet tall and is extremely hairy. He has brown hair, dark brown eyes, and extremely large feet. And, uh, and you know, <laughs> if he's got large feet, then... It's Shaquille O'Neal on, on camping on vacation. <laughs> yeah, Shaquille O'Neal on bath salts. That's the only... Oh, like, how no. many people are eight feet tall? I don't know. Well, Shaq's I, only seven foot two, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe someone in his family? I, mean, I don't fucking know. Just look into the... If, if you really think it's a person, look into the DMV database and like, go and Who's eight feet tall? Who's over seven feet tall in yeah. the DMV database? Anybody? Anybody? No? Okay. All right. All right. Are they also hairy? Like. And also barefoot in the woods? They found footprints on the side. Oh, they did. And they are large footprints. That is oh, those are really huge. big footprint. <laughs> but they also kind of look like someone made them. Yeah, they kind of yeah, look fake, honestly. they do kind of look fake. Well, it looks, it, well, it's just one footprint. It kind of looks, I don't know. Let's see, investigators, yeah, investigators found it, but I don't know. It could be real. It's just I got mean, really nice feet. It could be, but they, he has perfect toes. He I, does have perfect I'd almost toes. rather believe it was Sasquatch than some giant no, man. No, that, isn't that weird? It's more likely that it was Sasquatch yeah. than an eight-foot-tall yeah. man. Because an eight-foot-tall man scares the shit out of me. Sasquatch, yeah, that's horrifying, but it's just it feels worse if it's a person. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I'd rather be so you'd rather be sexually assaulted by a person or by a Sasquatch than a person. Is that what you're saying right now? Uh, yeah. If you had to choose, I if I if I have to choose, and no one should ever make that choice. But if I have to choose, <laughs> I would choose Sasquatch. For some reason, when I imagine this guy, I imagine him as a big. You know, as looking very Italian plumberish, like he's bald. He's <laughs> got a Mario mustache. An eight foot tall Mario. <laughs> yeah, for some reason. Oh, he took the mushroom. Yeah. Yeah, he finally took yeah, the mushroom. Yeah, he took the mushroom and now he's eight feet tall. <laughs> God. Oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, no. It's okay, unfortunate. So, when you're in the woods, uh, make sure you have your pepper spray. That's yeah. all I'm saying, yeah. folks. And your rape whistle. Yeah. <laughs> your rape whistle. This rape whistle is making him rape more. <laughs> oh, no. Gotta get finished faster. All right, moving God on to it. some... I'm going to leave the room when we do this story. <laughs> Mike Mike doesn't like this story already. Let me. This is punishment for being horrible up until now. Yeah. Possessed blue-eyed doll wanders house at night and scratches children as they sleep in family's living nightmare. The Nunez family claims a small blonde Sarita knocks things over and causes weird sound and sounds and lights to appear in their home. Uh, throw her away. Yeah. <laughs> Burn <laughs> it with fire. Have you tried destroying it? A family claim a possessed blue-eyed doll wanders their house at night and scratches their children while they sleep. The Nunez family say a creepy blonde doll... Oh, I already read that. Sorry. The family who live in El Calo, Peru, said they see strange lights and hear weird noises in the house and bizarre scratches appear on their kids. Oh, God. That doll is horrifying. Yeah. yeah. Looks like Rainbow Bright. The strange goings-on started several year, seven years ago when the nephew of... Uh, Why are they keeping this fucking thing? <laughs> Mom Yvonne gave her the blonde blue-eyed doll dubbed the Peruvian Annabelle. 
Uh, Ivan and her three children claim during the night they leave the doll in a corner of a room, but in the morning she has moved to the table or can be found sitting on the furniture. Uh, when pushed, they claim she makes a sound as if she is praying. What? Why do you still have this? People from third world countries can't think right. <laughs> that, no, that's not true, because we had Annabelle just the same, and those motherfuckers kept that doll, too. Well, oh, no, no, they actually tried to get rid of the doll, and it kept coming back. Well, remember? maybe they've tried to get rid of the doll. All right, well, let's see. Yeah, one of the children, uh, Stephen, 18, said that he wake, usually wakes up with bruises and scratches for unknown reasons. No, Holy we know. It's the doll, man. Damn, man. His sister, Angie, 20, claims she often hears strange noises in the middle of the night, like knocking on the door or the wardrobe three times, but there is no one there. Ugh. Every night I feel as though somebody is looking at me from the corner of the room, she said. The fi family decided to ask a medium to investigate the case and contacted angel expert Sorella de Los Angeles, who visited their home. She cleansed the home, and dozens of strange lights and circles appeared as she did so. Sorella also walked around the house during the ritual and claimed to have detected the presence of a mysterious woman in one of the rooms. She didn't mention anything about the doll. <laughs> According to Ivone, uh, she is her sister-in-law, who killed herself in that exact spot. Fucking great. The angel expert also said that she felt an evil presence inside the doll that wants to hurt the family. She did a cleansing ritual in order to protect the house and make the spirits leave and left seven candles in the living room. Okay. See, now here's the thing is that now I'm I'm concerned that the sister-in-law who killed herself was the only thing keeping that demon at bay. And now she just purged that spirit and now that demon's going to run rampant. Yeah, it could be. And they tried getting rid of the fucking doll. No, this article does not ask Send the email, most important Mike. Let's question. Let's do a follow-up on yeah, this. Yeah, we need to do a follow-up on this. if we can find them on Facebook and be like, did you guys try Just burning the doll? getting yeah. rid of it? Did you guys try putting it in the trash can? Did you guys try leaving it in the woods? Yeah. yeah. We tried uh, fucking the doll. You tried... Whoa. Whoa. Well, sometimes that's how you gotta de get sometimes a demon Sometimes that's out. what goes that's, that's how you're gonna get scratches on your dick, Jared. That's how you're gonna get more demons, Jared. Yeah, that's how you get more <laughs> demons. What if I want more demons? God. Jared's so lonely. <laughs> He's just, willing to hang out with demons. I just want friends. <laughs> All right. That's, yeah, so I don't know, man. Uh, this is, yeah, I, I think if you have a creepy doll like this, get, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of yeah. it, even if it doesn't exhibit supernatural tendencies. If your kids are 18 and 20, there's no need they for the doll. doll. They don't need yeah. the doll. They don't need the doll. Buy a safe and lock it in the safe. On and the then, uh, throw the keys away. On the flip side, though, I've decided that I'm going to start buying used dolls from thrift stores putting them in my purse, and whenever I go to someone's house that I don't know that You're well, gonna I'm going to leave it in a weird corner of the house. That's, yeah, that's going to not make any friends. I'm not <laughs> going to tell them that it was me. I just want to see this social experiment unfold. You Ooh, know they'll then, post about it on Facebook. Yeah, they'll post about it on Facebook, and then you'll be like, oh, I, uh, you, you need to get in contact with my demonologist friend, John. There you and go. I charge them five hundred dollars to we cleanse the house. We split the money. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, that's a good racket. Yeah, we got a yeah, racket. Yeah, delete this part. Delete yeah. all this. No, I I feel like the second we do that, we're gonna be haunted by demons. <laughs> but we got money. But, but got we have money. money. Yeah. Well, I do like money. Yeah, I like money. <laughs> what was and and demons are known to offer more money. True that's that. True. That's true. Well, see. 
That's how we how do to it. make money from it's a demons. Ponzi scheme. Next <laughs> time on Mysteriousnesses. Demons invented the pyramids. Extraterrestrial shot dead in New Jersey. There's a picture he's wearing a jacket. What, you know what? I'm not surprised New Jersey is where they're shot dead. No, it says, please note, image above is for illustrative purposes only and has no relation to the incident in question. So they this chose... This is a stock photo of a dead alien wearing a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chromecast that. Oh, I didn't Chromecast it. Sorry. Yeah, I want to see this. Sh- <laughs> I want to see that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see if I what own it. What is alien fashion like these days? Uh, two adjacent military bases, uh, Fort Dix and Fort McGuire, yeah, played Fort host nuts. to a, an incredible extraterrestrial and UFO encounter. UFOs were sighted flying over the bases during the early morning hours of uh, January 18th, and shortly afterwards, uh, Air Force Security Patrol were ordered to the back gate of McGuire Air Force Base to allow entry to New Jersey State Police who were searching for something. But what? So this took place in uh, 1978. Okay. Uh, State Trooper Sergeant Jeff Morse, that's a pseudonym. I don't know why. That's a particularly weird pseudonym. That's a very, yeah, that's a, okay. Yeah, whatever. He was one of the airmen on duty and was told that a Fort Dix MP was pursuing a low-flying object that had hovered so close that it was actually just above his car. Then, according to the MP, a small being with a large head and slender body appeared in front of his car, causing him to panic and shoot the alien several times with his 45 automatic. Jesus. The being then fled over the fence which separates the two bases before collapsing on the deserted runway and dying. This guy is a little bit trigger happy. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think I think if you see a UFO and then an alien pops up, I think that might be one logical reaction. Is just what if unload. he was just asking for directions? That's I true. Don't, I don't know. Like, I, I feel weird about that. It's like, oh, it doesn't look like me. Kill it. Kill it now. Well, it is on the base. It's, there's signs posted. Well, I mean, that was our reaction to the creepy doll. Yeah, that's what true. What if it's just an alien and not a demon? It's not. It's and it's trying to. It can't talk our language, so it's trying to scratch its writing into you. No, well, I mean, no, Jared. I no. mean, how they communicate. I stop at scratching. If anything breaks onto the base, the guy's you know allowed to shoot it. You know, there's signs posted. I suppose. The body was found lying on the runway by Morse and his colleagues before other blue beret forces, unfamiliar to Morse and his companion, uh, took over once Morse had followed the routine procedure of cordoning off the area. Why is Blue Beret and crime scene in quotations here? Because well, Blue Beret isn't a thing, so I think they're signifying that it's like a, it's like a guys in military uniforms with Blue Berets, but it's like he's never seen these guys before. Oh, yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't know what they are. Like, he doesn't recognize that unit from from uh, his base. military base. Okay, okay. So they're, it's like a weird group of other military guys. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, later that day, a C-141 cargo aircraft arrived from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Ohio, where a team crated up the body, loaded it on board before taking off. Morris and the other participants were taken to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base two days later where they uh, were interrogated and warned not to talk about the incident to anyone. Morse supplied the names of the interrogation team taken from their name badges, and their identities have been verified. All right, well, can we get those then? Yeah, can we have all of them? Yeah, this comes from, I think this comes from a book. Uh. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. The setting at Wright uh, Patterson was like that of a court-martial, a table and chairs in an unadorned room, which Morse describes as follows. While the... uh, while there we were all together, ex- except for actual interrogations, mine had two men, one apparently a civilian with pipe and beard who never spoke. At one point there were three men. One played nice guy, one mean guy, and of course the silent civilian. 
All they wanted to know was the nature of the incident, what I knew, and then told me about my duty to keep my mouth shut. I signed a form, and it suppose, supposedly uh, binded me for life. Never once, as Morris recalls, did any of the interrogators offer information or an explanation of the incident, nor did anyone ever refer to the retrieved dead body or suggest that it may have been of extraterrestrial origin, said Morris. They beat around the bush. All references to it were indirect. The day after the interrogation, Morse returned to McGuire, was debriefed by his commanding officer, Lieutenant Colonel F.M., and released for normal duty. The incident, he said, was not discussed again by anyone, as though it never happened. Morse was debriefed by his uh, commanding officer, a lieutenant colonel, shortly after returning to McGuire Air Force Base and heard no more about the incident. But it wasn't long before each of the airmen who had been involved was uh, transferred to separate overseas bases. Morse was shipped to Okinawa, Japan. So. Huh. Okay. They interrogated these guys, told them they're never allowed to talk about it, and then separated them. Yeah. I mean, that seems seems probably like normal stand, that standard That seems like protocol. procedure. Yeah. yeah. Separate everyone who could talk about it amongst themselves. Uh, UFO, uh, let's see. Morse was within 40 to 70 feet from the dead body on the abandoned runway. Uh, abandoned runway number five at various times during his patrol duty, but was never close enough to observe details such as facial features or its hands and feet. However, under the glare of truck headlights, Morse did recall seeing the skin of a naked, hairless body, which he described as being wet, shiny, and snake-like. As reported uh, in his initial letter, the entity was about four feet in height, with a large head, slender torso, thin arms and legs, and overall of a grayish-brown coloration. The humanoid, which was not human, seems to fit the uh, anatomical description so often heard from military sources who have made claim to having seen entities at crash sites in the past and most likely fits the Zeta reticulin model, commonly referred to as the Greys. Right. So, you want to read this next part, Mike? Sure. Uh, UFO researcher Leonard Stringfield wrote to the man using the pseudonym Sergeant Morse, to hear his version of events. Below is a copy of the letter Stringfield received as a reply. So letter is, okay, so deleted, yeah, subject lead. Response to request for information in palliation to you, contact, and other This kind of just goes over, uh, yeah, the, it, what, in more detail what we just, uh. Yeah, this is just basically this guy's original letter to of the information from the ufo yeah so i, th I thought this was interesting uh let's see we roped off the area and air force osi came out and took over that was the last i saw of it there was a bad stench coming from it too like ammonia smelling but it wasn't constant in the air that day a team from wright air uh, patterson air force base came in a c-141 and went to the area they crated it in a wooden box, sprayed something over it, and then put it into a bigger metal container. They loaded it in the plane and took off. That was it. Nothing more said. No report made. And we were all told not to have anything to say about it or we'd be court-martialed. Okay. Uh, yeah. An, uh, another military figure has come forward in connection to the remarkable incident in New Jersey, but he's been brave enough to use his actual name. Major George Filer, now retired, who was also stationed at McGuire Air Force Base in 1978, was serving as an intelligence officer at the time of the incident, and although he wasn't on duty that morning, he was witness to a lot of unusual activity and had heard talk about the alien body the following morning. That seems contradictory if there's people talking about it. Well, it's, it, it's uh, you know, in the military they call it scuttlebutt. And yeah. so they, you know, like, you, like people mention shit to people, like... 
on base, even if you're not really supposed to, you know? So you'll hear... So what does scuttlebutt mean? It means gossip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. just, you know, the rumor mill. Like okay. when you're at work and you hear... Jenny got fired. Jenny for, got fired for pulling for, her titty out. Yeah, oh. for crack, you don't know crack if that's true. Or yeah, whatever. but that's what you've heard. Yeah. That's the scuttlebutt. Yeah, but oh, this okay. kind of verifies this other guy's story. It's like, oh yeah, I was an intelligence officer, and I heard people talking about an alien body. Okay. Yeah. Uh, discussing the case with Dr. Stephen Greer for the Disclosure Project, Filer said, "This particular morning, when I went into the command post, I was met by the head of the command post, and he said that it had been a very exciting evening, that we'd had." UFOs over McGuire all night, and that one had apparently landed and crashed, or crashed at Fort Dix, and that when a military policeman came upon the alien, that he had pulled out a gun and shot him. He told researcher Richard Hall, our security police went out there and found him at the end of the runway dead. They asked me to brief the general staff, but was later told not to. Okay. So that's, uh, yeah, in, in So the I guess book- his commander told him initially to, to brief the general... Yeah, so basically this guy's verifying the other guy's story that their uh, right pat- pat- uh, plane from Wright-Addison was coming to pick the body up. Yeah, and then they were told to keep the fuck shut up about it. Filer's not new to UFO sightings either. He also chased a UFO over England one flying for the U.S. Air Force. I, don't believe in, I didn't believe in UFOs until London Control called us in the winter of 1962 and asked us, would we chase one? So we said, sure. Since that day, he has maintained an interest in the subject, claiming that I personally have observed a UFO both visually and on radar. Radar, I've been chasing them ever since. So okay. that's, yeah, I mean, this is a pretty interesting story. Like, it seems like, you know, this might just happen more. It seems like there's enough protocol in place that this happens more often than we would even think. It yeah. makes me wonder, actually, I was, I was sitting here thinking about that. There's so much protocol in place. It seems so normal. It's odd to me that you have all these stories, the military seeing shit, but it doesn't feel as common for civilians to deal with this because there's protocol in place for dealing with these situations. So why is it that we're seeing all this strange alien activity a lot of times on military bases? And I was thinking, what if it's not just UFOs? What if these are our own weird programs that we're doing yeah i'm sure that, i'm sure a lot of it is like reverse engineered stuff reverse engineered yeah. like cloning or some sort of shit like maybe maybe that wasn't maybe this entity wasn't f- extraterrestrial maybe it was trying to escape or some sort of shit like, like that. wasn't or it wasn't a a zeta reptilian it was a clone that yeah. we created yeah, that maybe was trying to escape? Sort of shit that we're or, it, doing, or yeah. it's a captured zeta retic- uh, reticulin a gray a captured gray that has escaped Got into his, got a hold of the spaceship. Yeah, Escaped from the base, back. and that's the the UFOs flying over or looking for him, like on a rescue mission of some sort. Yeah, it could be something like it's, that. It's weird to me. Like it, it seems to happen so often. Or with just military maybe they're stuff. just interested in our military technology. You know? Maybe. Yeah. Or or they could like legitimately be there. But then somebody they fucked yeah. up and landed in the wrong spot. Yeah, they accidentally teleported to the wrong spot in the base. And yeah, like, the guy got shot. And then an MP's there, and he's like, "Holy shit!" and just shoots you. Yeah. What's interesting to me is this story is corroborated by two people who are. There's a huge difference in rank, but the story was corroborated among both of them because one guy's a major and one guy was, what was he a sergeant? Is that yeah, what he was? sergeant? Yeah. So. I mean, although it was passed by kind of just word of mouth, but, I mean, from who? 
because the sergeant wouldn't have said anything because he was immediately taken into custody. Right, right. So, well, I mean, I'm sure there was a bunch of guys on the ground, you know, and it's, and especially because when when you see UFOs, you know, they're reporting it on the regular radio, you know. Yeah. Like, there's no security clearance when guards see UFOs, and then if a guard shoots an alien, then he's going to call it in the same way as if he shot a person, you know? Like, he doesn't yeah, have he a separate protocol, in. you know? He's going to report to just the guy he's always supposed to report to, you know? Because yeah. mm-hmm. he doesn't know what else to do. Yeah, what else is he going to do? Just leave it there. <laughs> That's what I would do. I'd be like, ooh, shit. Whoops. Uh, I'm out of here. Oh, Christ. Well, I either report this or I disappear completely. Sprinkle some crack on him and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, it's that's an interesting story. Um, it's actually, from my perspective, fairly believable too. Yeah, it, it is. It is believable just because it's got two separate witnesses that don't even seem to know each other, or you know, w- word of mouth witnesses. One, but still, that that definitely that definitely helps with the story. Yeah, the believability. All right, right now we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with a bunch of cool stories about fairies. Alright, we're back, and we're going to talk about fairies. Yeah! We're talking about the, are we talking about the, like, not the kind that, like, hang out in Ybor City and, and wear the wings and throw cocaine at each other shirtless. No, that's mean. Now we're talking about real, actually, those guys are fairies. They wear fairy wings, so, I mean, come on. Yeah. They're dressed up as them anyways. Yeah, yeah. So, but not the dress-up kind, the real kind. I don't know, Lauren, have you, do you, do you believe in fairies? The scary kind. Ah! Uh, I have friends who believe in fairies. So people, people that are like, uh, like are into like magic or like Wicca or whatever. They do they believe in. There's fairies? a there's a whole offshoot of paganism and witchcraft that is all of the. It's the fairy faith. So they they're fae magic. So you're, you're users. not a, you don't actually do you don't actually do magic. You just ask fairies to do it for you, basically. Essentially, and there's like a, I wouldn't trust them. Those things are fuckers. Yeah, yeah like, they, they can't be trusted. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of the same idea. Like you know, there are people in magic who will like they'll make pacts with demons and that sort of thing. And uh, you know, there are those who are into fairies, and so they make packs of fairies. And from my perspective, I kind of feel like they're both a bad choice. Like they're not reliable entities. Yeah. So it's not my Can't bag. Trust them. It's not my bag, but uh, I do know people who are very into that, and they still hopefully babies, it works for out sake. for people. Yeah, first you ask them to do one favor for you, and then the next thing you know, you're stealing your neighbor's baby to feed to a giant plant. Well, it's like, you know, it's, you know, it's not my baby, so that's not, that's actually not that bad, bad of a deal. Yeah, or they're replacing you with a clone made out of plants. Uh, fairies are generally, generally described as human in appearance and having magical powers. Uh, diminutive fairies of one kind or of another have been recorded for centuries, but occur alongside the human-sized beings. These have been depicted as ranging in size from very tiny up to the size of a human child. 
Even with these small fairies, however, their small size may be magically assumed rather than constant. Some fairies, though normally quite small, were able to uh, delete their figures into in, imi imitate to imitate human form. Sorry. On Orky, they were described as short in stature, dressed in dark gray, and sometimes seen in armor. Wings, while common in Victorian and later artwork of fairies, are very rare in the folklore. Even very small fairies flew with magic, sometimes flying on ragwort stems or on the backs of birds. Nowadays, fairies are often depicted with ordinary insect wings or butterfly wings. In some folklore, fairies have green eyes. Some depictions of fairies either have them wearing some sort of footwear, and other depictions of fairies are always barefoot. So yeah, those are the cute ones. I'm we like the ooh. cute ones with the barefoot. So so the whole the whole th idea with them having wings isn't an idea that started happening until like the 1800s. Really? Yeah. Originally, they just flew on the back of something, or they just flew with magic. Huh. But I mean, that's not to say if you know if they're not like if they're not like uh like co like have like a constant form doesn't mean that they wouldn't adapt to the times you know that's true it's interesting <coughs> the 1800s is a very interesting start date for that so that makes you think well i wonder if christianity played a part in assigning wings to fairies you know similarly to angels that sort of deal right or it could be the other way around maybe uh, according to king james in his uh uh, dissertation, the demonologue, demonologue, yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, the term fairies was used to describe illusory spirits, demonic entities that prophecy, consort, and transport individuals they served. In medieval times, it was believed that a witch or sorcerer who had a compact with a familiar spirit to serve, serve them could receive these types of revelations or use them to perform various tasks. So that's what we're talking about with the fey magic. Yeah. So just because, you know, King James was very black and white, he was like, okay, well, they're not God. They're evil. So they're evil. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, I mean, a lot of the times they're they're pretty bad. Not always. Uh, the, a lot of the deal with people who are into fey magic is that you're not necessarily always asking them for a specific thing, but you're going out of your way to appease these spirits and hoping that they will be... Give you a gift. They'll give you a gift. They'll be generous in your favor I feel like anything you got to spend a lot of time appeasing is probably not a good deal. Well, no, like, when I say appease, like um, people will leave honey water out. Yeah, yeah, you know, yard. make sure they don't just... Go have a violent episode against you. <laughs> you know, like a crazy person that you don't want to hang out with. You gotta leave out honey water it's for like, oh, Screaming Joe. Gotta, yeah, you gotta. I'll let you guys know this right now. Jared does not like fairies. Jared's not a fan. Not a, not a fan. I'm I'm on the fence, but I do. I see where those of the Fey faith, uh, where they're coming I'm very from. Very disappointed that I was not made into a changeling. That's why I don't like them. Oh, okay. Maybe you are a changeling. Maybe you and are. You've forgotten. Ah, well, then you they're extra dicks. You you were born with a full set of adult-sized teeth. Yeah, that's, we really should be using that right now. Well, those are things that are normal. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure they're nope, not. Actually, oh, not you didn't have full-sized teeth as a kid? <laughs> nope. Definitely <laughs> no, didn't please. have a tail. Actually, there's an easy test. If we just take Jared out into the middle of the woods and leave him... Uh, I don't like the woods. It, we got to do it in winter, though. Yeah. I don't well, you're like not winter. Used to him. And if he doesn't come back, then he was a fairy. He um, was a change. Well, then that's and if he does come back, then he's a fairy in but disguise, what if I, and we have what to if kill I'm him. A, what if I'm a summer boy? Yep. You are. That's, are, that's, are you? you know, that's, you're that's my summer boy. That's exactly something a changeling would say. Oh. Yeah. So. Yeah. How did well, you even know they're called summer boys? Well, yeah. me and my teeth are leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Good. 
at one time, it was common belief that fairy folklore evolved from folk memories of a prehistoric race. It was suggested that newcomers drove out the original inhabitants, and the memories of this defeated hidden people developed into the fairy beliefs we have today. Proponents of this theory claimed to find support in the tradition of cold iron as a charm against the fairies, which was viewed as a cultural memory of invaders with iron weapons, displacing inhabitants who had only flint and, th and were therefore easily defeated. Some 19th century archaeologists thought they had found uh, underground rooms in the Orkney Islands resembling the Elfland and the Child, in the Child Ro Roland. Child Roland. That's a poem. Yep. Uh, however, the idea of a fallen vanquished race in hidden in hiding has fallen out of favor with scholars. In popular folklore, flint arrowheads from the Stone Age were attributed to the fairies as elf shot. Their green clothing and underground homes were credited to their need to hide and camouflage themselves from hostile humans, and their use of magic, a necessary skill for combating those with superior weaponry. In Victorian beliefs of evolution, cannibalism among ogres was attributed to memories of more savage races, still practicing it alongside superior races that had abandoned it. So what, so it was in like a tribe of pygmies, they think? It, yeah, in Victorian times, yeah, they believed that, like, uh, yeah, like, ogres were, like, Neanderthals, or, like, you know, like, a, not necessarily, because they hadn't discovered Neanderthals yet, but they yeah. did know that they there were human-like skeletons that that uh, didn't match with our a anatomical form. Structure, yeah. So they're explaining it without So they're explaining science. it with these old, old legends. They're like, okay, I mean, it's kind of a good guess. It's a good guess. Like in Far Cry Primal, you had the one clan that was cannibals, and they were very warlike. Yeah. Defeated by the technologically superior clan. Another belief is that the fairies were an intelligent species distinct from humans and angels. In alchemy, in particular, they were regarded as elementals, such as gnomes and sifts, as described by Peri What is that? Paralysius? You have to chromecast it first. Yeah. Oh, I haven't chromecasted it. I I'd apologize. love to help you, uh, but... Paracelsius. Yeah. Paracelsus. Paracelsus, yeah. These are very difficult words, Paranium. guys. <laughs> this is uncommon in folklore, but accounts describing the fairies as spirits of the air have been found. The belief in their angelic nature was common in theos theos theosophist circles. Mm. Sorry. Uh, let's see. In Irish uh, mythology... The Tulath de, de Denan are a race of supernaturally gifted people. They are thought to represent the main deities of pre-Christian Gaelic Ireland. Many of the Irish tales of the Tulath de Dan, Denan refer to these beings as fairies, though in more ancient times they were regarded as goddesses and gods. Uh, they were spoken of as having come from the islands of the north of the world or, in other sources, from the sky. After being defeated in a series of battles with other otherworldly beings and then by the ancestors of the current Irish people, they were said to have withdrawn to the city, fairy mounds, where they lived in popular imagination as fairies. They are associated with otherworld realms including Magmel, the ple pe Pleasant Plain, Emain Alblach, the Fortress of Apples, or the Land of Promise, or the Isle of Women, and Tir Na Anog, the Land of Youth. So that's I want to know more about the Fortress of Apples. Yeah, Sounds I really do. I'm gonna. All right. Well, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna we're gonna open up the tab for the, the Fortress, Fortress of, of Apples. Apples. Oh, it's a very short. Yeah. Thing, so it's a mythical island paradise in Irish mythology. It is often regarded as the realm of sea god, and identified with either the Isle of Man or the Isle of Erin, according to the medieval Irish poem, uh, Bale Suthian Sith 
Emhania, the god Luglafata, was revered in Emain Albach. Jesus, that almost made yeah. no sense. Because I, I don't recognize any of those words. I glossed over all that yeah. very hard. That was bad. Uh, no, I, I get it. It's like the, you know, the beautiful islands it, off like the Avalon. coast of Ireland. Sure. Like how, like, okay, uh, the last scene of Star Wars 7 yes. was shot on one of those islands. Yes. So that, the big tall rocks and yeah, the beautiful yeah. green grasses and stuff like. Yeah, it almost def- looks like it used to be a fortress there. Yeah. 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 Absolutely beautiful oh, cool. secret islands. In uh, Arthurian li- literature, the um, sword Calburnus or Excalibur was supposedly forged there. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of fairy lore associated with uh, Arthurian legend. Yeah, well, the medieval y- Welsh equivalent of Avalon is what it is. Arthurian legend and fairy lore are incomplete without each other. Yeah, pretty much. The one kind of Arthurian lore, uh, what was it, Melville who wrote the I'm not quite certain. The uh the future the forever or the once and future king. Well, I mean, Arthurian lore kind of falls flat if you leave out mention of Mab, the yeah. queen of the fairies. I mean, she kind of sets everything in motion. So without her, you really you can't have um the wizard, uh, Merlin. 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 You yeah. can't have Merlin without Queen Mab. So, if you take Merlin for, out of Arthurian legend, it becomes very boring. Well, that yeah, that's true. Okay, so <clears throat> let's get into. Uh, let's see. I wanted to get into ten frightening fairies you don't want to mess with. All right, all right. And then we can talk about some nicer fairies. Hmm. <laughs> Let's see. I'll cast this over to you guys because there's some good naked pictures of guys here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This guy, also, he's wearing those wrap shades. Oh, this guy. I don't know if I'm scared of that fairy, but that's All cool. Right, you go ahead and start with the first one, Lauren. All right. Oh, you gave me this one because it's hard to say. <laughs> The Leanham Le- Le- She. The Leanham She were, was essentially a vampiric fairy who preyed on men on the Isle of Man. This fairy would disguise herself as an attractive young woman to seduce her victim. If she succeeded, so back then that's like a thirteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's gross but true. If she succeeded, the man would become her lover. If the man somehow managed to resist, she would violently kill him and consume his blood. However, it wasn't rosy for the human lover. The Leonam Shay would gradually suck up his life force during their lovemaking sessions until he eventually turned into nothing more than an empty shell and died. Well, really, I mean, that's so kind of... stealing his life force. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, though. Yeah, it's a that's, succubus legend. Yeah, yeah it's a succubi. Uh, this fairy stored the blood of those she killed in her cauldron which she then used to keep herself powerful and youthful. She also gave some of the blood to her lover to inspire him to make romantic poems. Fairies love poems. Yeah. Ugh, I hate poetry. I like poetry, and I'm, you know what? I'm not so scared of the Leanham She. I think they're cool. I respect them. Yeah, it's like, well, you can't resist, because if you resist, they kill you, so yeah. you might as well just go with it. And I like the idea of, like, you fuck them so much that you suck them dry of their life force. I know like. You do. That's uh, kind of cool. S- you seem way too excited about that prospect. I like this is why Mike has to take a nap every single day. <laughs> Mike or does he dies. nap a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and you know. Uh, do you want me to read the next? Yeah, one? go ahead and read the next one. Uh, go up. You skipped one. Oh, I did skip one. Yeah. Uh, Gansinach. 
This particular... This is where John Cena is driving. Yeah, I was going to say, this looks exactly like John Cena. This particular fairy literally had women dying over him in the stories of Ireland and Scotland. Again, Cenoch, which means love talker, was a diminutive Don Juan who spent most of his time in secluded places in search of female conquest. So he's just hanging out shirtless by a waterfall yeah. in the woods. Once he has found a suitable target, the fairy would seduce the woman until she became hopelessly in love with him. After the seduction was complete and culminated in a kiss, although there have been much steamier versions, Ooh. the Gansinok would suddenly vanish and leave the unlucky woman obsessing over him until she died. The menfolk also got the raw end of the deal. A mere encounter with a Gansinok would induce them to waste their entire fortune buying baubles and other expensive presents for their women. I like it. I think this Gansinok's a cool dude. You want him to come around so you can get more baubles? Fuck yes. <laughs> I love baubles. Bitches love baubles. We need to use that term more in real life. Yeah. <laughs> baubles, yes. All right, the uh, Bendith Y Mamu, translated ironically as Mother's Blessing, this clan of Welsh fairies engaged in one particularly nasty pastime, kidnapping. These fairies kidnapped human babies and left their own deformed progeny called crimbles in their place. Parents of the kidnapped child often had to consult a witch to get their offspring back, although sometimes the bendith returned the baby after they taught them to make and appreciate good music. Fuck yeah. Okay. Aside from kidnapping, these fairies also uh, tie, tired... Tie, tie, Tired horses out. Oh, sorry. Tired horses out by riding them frequently. To pl placate these fairies, people left them milk outside their homes and spoke their names in reverence. In fact, Bendiths were originally called Meliths, Mother's Curse, but the people avoided calling them that so as not to offend them. This sounds like some sort of scam between the witch and the fairies. I just like the fact that the kids come back and they like no good music. That's what David happened to David Bowie when he was a kid. Yeah. yeah or he true. was a changeling. Um, I mean, he did have two different eyes. No, I, 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 I agree with Mike. This sounds like like uh, the witch is doing favors for these fairies so that they kidnap a baby, and then you got to pay a witch to get the baby back. Yeah. And they're like, oh, see, yeah. it's And fine. they split the no profits. Music. And they get free milk. Yeah. yeah. And free milk and good music. Everyone, yeah. uh, in a lot of stories I read, fairies need a lot of human milk. And they get the right horses whenever they want. This is a I pretty read, sweet um, deal. Yeah, I was reading earlier that fairies kidnap uh, pregnant mothers or or their children, or they switch their fairy children with the human babies so the the uh, fairy children can be weaned on human milk. Huh. Or they will kidnap mothers to nurse their children. Is this a picture of Santa Claus in a bathtub? Yes, it is. Yeah, Jared, you want to take this one? Sure. The Bannock. Uh, this fairy insisted on his me time in the bathroom. The Bannock is depicted as a somewhat grumpy old man in Russian folklore, uh, patronized the bathhouses of people, and possessed the power to change shape and foresee the future, sometimes just to be an asshole. Bannock, the Bannock inspired, uh, the Bannock enjoined, sorry, other supernatural entities to accompany him inside the bathhouses. So he's just chilling with the Easter Bunny? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, people who suspected his presence put on their best behavior and removed Christian religious images and other apparel near the bathhouse. Uh, they also provided Bannock and his company soap and birch twigs to use. That's not something I've never gotten in bathhouse to see people beating themselves with sticks. Oh, the that's what they do with the twigs. Yeah, they just hit themselves. Thank uh, you for answering that get question. Get the blood flowing. Yeah, okay. it's good for you. Uh, if a person wanted to see into the future, he exposed his back to the Bannock, who would gently tap it. Uh, if it was good and scratch if it was bad. 
Okay. That's a weird fairy. That's a really weird one. All right. Lauren, you want to take on the fatchin? Yeah, or the fucking the fuck fuck on? The fucking the fuck on. Get your fucking Get ass your over fuck here. on. <laughs> All right, so this is the F A C H A N pronounce it how you will. I will pr- pr- continue to call it the fucking. The way Scottish tales describe these fairies, you'd think they were talking about monsters instead. However, that's exactly what the fucking were. These creatures appeared so monstrous. Fucking monsters. Fucking yeah. monsters. These creatures appeared so monstrous, monstrously hideous that the mere sight of them could allegedly stop a man's heart. The falcon were covered head to toe in fur and possessed singular body parts: one eye, one hand, one leg, etc., which were placed center line across only their one bodies. Leg? That seems yeah, yeah. So. It wasn't like they only had one leg on the left side. Like the out their chest was a hand. Oh God, that ooh, that is hideous. Yeah, and I agree. One big old eyeball. Unlike other fairies, the falcon could not fly, and so resented those who could. Prone to violence and highly territorial, they also always carried a spiked club or chain that they used against people who dared to trespass into their lands. This is, uh, yeah, that thing sounds disgusting. Yeah. Ooh, I want to read this one. I like the picture. <laughs> okay. The slough. In Scottish slaw. stories, the slough was... It's com- a slaw, like coleslaw. The slough was composed <laughs> of fairies who were thought to be the souls of evil people and those who died without being baptized. This malevolent swarm usually flew at night, fighting amongst themselves and hunting for victims. The unfortunate target would be lifted and dropped from great heights. The slew also had a penchant for sadism, as they sometimes forced the victims to shoot at other people and animals with poisoned arrows. To fend off the slew, people closed their window that faced west, as the swarm usually arrived from that direction. Their malodorous, corpse-like stench also gave people an advance notice of their impending arrival. Well, that's yeah. good. Hmm. Smell some... Smell some male- malevolent yeah, smells coming. Get you, if you yeah, smell a corpse, get I can honestly say I've never considered even a bad smell to be malevolent. I've never found a smell. I have. I know you have. (laughs) I'm looking at the source right now. Yeah, I've walked into the bathroom after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I've actually heard of these ones before. The Burbaroco, Burboca, Burbaroca, 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 Burbaroca. No. The Berberoka were a dangerous race of fairies that lived in the swamps and rivers of the Philippines and preyed primarily on the fishermen who frequented these bodies of water. They caught their victims with a simple yet effective trap. The Berberoka ingested all the water in a specific area which made all the fish visible. This naturally attracted the attention of unsuspecting fishermen who would rush off to that area. As soon as their victims reached the spot, the Berberoka spewed out the ingested water and capsized their boats. They then dragged the hapless fisherman underwater where they ate him in an unceremonious fashion. God, how wow. big would they have to be to like swallow mermaids. all that water, they've though? They've got to be big. Well, they have magic. Oh, that too. I, yeah, I yeah. guess it's magic, right? Yeah, it's magic. Yeah. Oh, red caps. We've talked about these guys before. Okay. We talked about them in the gnome segment. Yeah. Uh, red caps also originated in Scotland and were like the Jason Voorhees of the fairy world, murderous and unstoppable. Yeah, you don't want to mess with a red cap. Yeah, they're yeah. bad. Although depicted as gaunt old men, red caps were also armed with sharp claws and teeth. They had super strength and could overpower a fully grown man. As if that wasn't scary enough, they also carried a scythe, which they used to hack and slash people to death. 
After they brutally murdered their victims, the Red Cap would mop up the blood with his cap, hence the name. These fairies were also alleged to be cannibals who ate both humans and other fairies. The only way to ward off these murderous critters was to recite biblical verse. The victim had to be pretty quick because not only were Red Caps insanely strong, they were also incredibly fast. I like the fact the only thing that will get them to leave is to recite biblical verses because they're also bored by that shit, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably, you you probably get away with them. Ooh, what's this? I want this one. Okay. Oh, yeah, I want this one. Anku. The fairy embodiment of death in Celtic folklore, Anku used to be an unnamed prince who loved hunting and taking risk. As he was out on a hunt one day, he encountered death, who challenged him to a hunting match. The winner would be given the power to decide the loser's destiny. The prince lost and was condemned by death to collect souls forever. Since then, Anku has roamed the earth driving a horse-drawn cart to gather the souls of the dead. He is depicted as an eerie figure who is dressed in black robes with his face hidden from view. In variations of the tale, he is accompanied by skeleton helpers who hurl the newly collected souls onto the cart. A cold wind signaled the coming of Anku and informed the dying person that their demise was imminent. So it's like the original idea. It's a grim reaper. Reaper. Yeah. Yeah. You want to take the last one, Jared? Sure. Number one, the storm hag. Uh, the storm hag was a fairy who lived in Lake Erie. So this is a United States one. And was believed to be responsible for the many shipwrecks in that area. According to the tales, she appeared as a very ugly woman with greenish skin and teeth, jaundiced eyes, and sharpened facial features. Uh, her fingernails contained a powerful paralyzing poison that incapacitated any victim that she sought. Before she attacked a ship, the storm hag would sing an eerie song that foretold the doom of the men on board. Then she would summon a terrible storm upon their helpless men. Uh, and as if that wasn't enough, the storm hag would also rode on the waves and capture the sailors in her elongated arms. Ew. In other variations, she would wait for the storm to pass and suddenly spew out lightning and winds at the ship to sink it. Yeah, I think the elongated arms, that's like the worst thing. Yeah, that's weird. That, you yeah. Know what that Anything that has of, elongated human arms. It's weird. That reminds me of the new Blair Witch movie when you actually kind of get to see the Blair. And she's got like the regular sized torso, but her limbs are like really long yeah. and like, gross. This, I mean, this is the reason why I don't leave the house without putting my makeup on first. You know. Yeah, so you, you don't want to. So you don't cause shipwrecks. I don't want to cause shipwrecks. That makes sense. It does. Uh, I want to talk about the Cottingley Fairies. Okay. And we've talked about this before. On oh, Sunday yeah, Planet. I remember these things. The Cottingley uh, fairies appear in a series of five photographs taken by Elise Wright uh, in, uh, and Francis Griffiths, two young cousins who lived in Cottingley near Bradford in England. In 1917, when the first two photographs were taken, Elise was 16 years old and Francis was nine. The pictures came to the attention of writer Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. He used them to illustrate an article on fairies he had been commissioned to write for the Christmas 1920 edition of The Strand magazine. Doyle, as a spiritualist, was enthusiastic about the photographs and interpreted them as clear and visible evidence of psychic phenomenon. Public reaction was mixed. Some accepted the images as genuine, but others believed they had been faked. 
Interest in the Connolly fairies gradually declined after 1921. Both girls married and lived abroad for a time after they grew up, yet the photographs continued to hold the public imagination. In 1966, a reporter from the Daily Express newspaper traced Elise, who had then returned to the UK. Elise left open the possibility that she believed she had photographed her thoughts, and the media once again became interested in the story. In the early 1980s, Elise and Francis admitted that the photographs were faked using cardboard cutouts of fairies copied from popular children's books of the time, but Francis maintained that the fifth and final photograph was genuine. The photographs of the two uh, and two of the cameras used are on display at the National Media Museum in Bradford, England. Huh, interesting. So there's a lot of... So, here's one of the pictures. This definitely looks like... I don't know. cutouts to me. They kind of look they're like they got... They're pretty good. They're pretty... They kind of look three-dimensional. Yeah, they have a lot of depth for cardboard cutouts, and if they're cardboard cutouts, they're really... I mean, I guess she could have done a good job, yeah. but... What, does she have an X-Acto knife? Yeah. <laughs> Was that even invented then? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I would assume so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean... I mean, they, they confessed that... They confessed that... Uh, Most the, of them. That fake. most of them were fake, but they say that the last two were real, or the fifth and final photograph was genuine. Hmm. So Do they have the fifth photograph on here? Here's the. Uh, that was that's the, the first. first. This is the second. Here's the. Th- I want to look at these. Let's, yeah, I mean, see, that looks pretty good. I mean, looks almost too good. Yeah, but I mean, it was the 1900s, early 1900s, so. The fifth and last photograph. Here we go. And they're saying that this one is real. This one does look different than all the other ones. It does. Like this one, the the fairies uh, look like they're like translucent. Yeah. They look like they're kind of just in this, I guess it's a bush or something. Yeah. And they look a little bit more torn, more ragged, more detailed too. It's weird because why would they admit that they're all fake except for the last one? That yeah. is weird. That's kind of a maybe to make it seem more plausible, like oh these are fake, but this one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, mean I don't. I don't know. To me, it's like I think. Well, uh, look at the times. So this was this was a time where like she well, wanted spiritualism to make, was very popular. It was very then. popular back then. So this would have given her a level of popularity in in those circles. And so I think that she realized, yes, it's very obvious that this shit is off, that we faked it. But if I admit a little bit of this, but then say, oh, but one is real, then it keeps me in the public eye. It keeps me popular. I still have something to feel good about myself to be the head of like the spiritualist movement. Yeah, I think right. at the time that that uh, the final picture that they said is real was taken. Uh, that translucent effect of the was called like ghosting. It was a common photography trick it that was. they did that they used right. to like uh, create like uh, a common thing. It was called ghosting. It was one of the f- like the ancient memes of the world, which was uh, they would use it to make it look like their head had moved over. Yeah, or they just, were a ghost. Because, yeah, by just moving the camera or moving yeah, the person. By, uh, yeah, by adjusting the the photograph when it was taken or during the uh, uh, the shoot developing process. Yeah, because yeah. at that time. You still had to stay still for a while for the exposure to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it at least maintained that the fifth one was fake, just like all the others, but Francis insisted that it was genuine. In an interview given in the early 1980s, Francis said it was a wet, 
Saturday afternoon, and we were just mooching about with our cameras, and at least had nothing prepared. I saw these fairies building up in the grasses and just aimed the camera and took the photograph. No, so, another. So, the, like, the, the, her idea is that the last picture, she was actually photographing her thoughts. The, the other thing could be is that Elise, Elise is the one that believed it was real, right? Right. Elsie? Uh, Elsie? Uh, not Elise, Elsie. Um, I think that may- maybe she had told the lie so many times that she just fucking believed it herself. And she was younger, too. And she was yeah. younger. So I think that maybe she just be- she just believed it, too. She just couldn't remember if, uh, like, wait, did I make this up or was nope. it real? It might it, be real. Yeah, it might be real. You know what? Or maybe I the, think or maybe it was the older real. sister, to protect the fairies, lied about said it was, lying. Said they were all fake. Yeah, could That's be. Possible uh, too. That could be true. Oh, I just wanted to to bring up something. So on the uh, the top ten uh, fairies, we don't want to make the number one the storm hag that I, that I read about. Something struck me as familiar, and I looked it up. That sounds exactly like uh, the the legend of the Jenny Green Teeth, which is a uh, type of fairy. I thought she was a river fairy. Though. Uh, she's a river hag. Uh, but she would pull children and elderly into the water and drown them. She was often described as green skinned with long hair and sharp teeth. Uh, so it's so the it same could, entity. Yeah. So if it's an American fairy, maybe it's just a really powerful Jenny Green Teeth. Probably. It's like the same being or same type of being. Yeah, the same type of thing is like a, a malicious, uh, malevolent, uh, fey creature that hangs out water in the water hag. and, and yeah. drowns people. Yeah, I know there was a bunch of different types of hags too that were just they just like to kill people because they're assholes. I guess yeah. huh. they're just mad about being super ugly. <laughs> they're mad that everyone keeps calling them a hag. <laughs> Well, I mean, wouldn't you be, though? That's true. I'm so, not going to them. So we can't uh, end talking about fairies without talking about uh, <coughs> some of the similarities between uh, the old fae lore and modern-day UFO and alien abduction stories. Yeah, so the I think one of the common theories is that old stories of aliens were just the people of the time trying to rationalize alien abductions. Yeah, Which so there are quite a few similarities. Well, and then you know, and and we rationalize them as aliens because that's just, that's the time. That's just how we think. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we it, they might not be either of those things. Yeah, we don't know what they are, but or we're just because we don't believe in fairies anymore. We're just like other oh, aliens. That's we're what like, I'm well, aliens probably exist. So sure, right? It's very, it's a very popular scientific view that intelligent life exists someplace else besides Earth. So, you know, they're, they're very little people. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, flying chariots. Uh, in, in the book The Demon Haunted World, cosmetologist Carl Sagan noted that stories <laughs> Cosmologist. of... Cosmologist. Cosmetologist <laughs> Carl Sagan noted that stories of alien encounters... He was also a cosmetologist. He was a cosmetologist first. Please tell me he was... Like, I wish that was real. <laughs> He's got a great line of wigs. I was hoping that I could just go through that and you guys wouldn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, know, uh, he noted that stories of alien encounters share some striking similarities with earlier accounts of dem- demonic harassment. There is, he said, one significant difference. Unlike demons, aliens fly in gigantic metal contraptions, and though advances in human technology have somehow influenced the technology of non-human species. Could be, could be. Yet a look at the old stories reveals a disturbing pattern. Testimonials of fairy encounters frequently include mention of burning chariots that whisk people away to mysterious places. 
The 9th century archbishop named uh, Agobard skeptically reported that the people of Lyons, where he lived, believed in the existence of a land called Magnonia, where the ships sailed in the sky. The poet Wolfgang von Goethe, in his autobiography, describes encountering a bright hovering object like a pandemonium of will-of-the-wisps as he was traveling to Leipzig, Leipzig in 1768. So that's just the idea that that like that's how they were explaining it. They were seeing UFOs back then. They're like, oh, it must be fairies. Yeah, it must be fairies. Oh man, it took Carl, the cosmetologist. <laughs> oh, it must be fairies. Will of the wisps are sentient lights, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, interspecies breeding. There's tons of uh, fairy stories and alien abduction stories where they they milk them for sperm. Yeah. And and uh, impregnate women. Yeah. Delicious, seduce delicious women. Sperm. Seduce. Actually, the interesting thing, uh, the interesting difference between alien abductions and fey abductions, tend to be that when it comes to impregnation, I think that, or not impregnation, but trying to reproduce, it seems like trying to get women to reproduce happens more often in alien abductions than it does in fey abductions. Fey abductions almost always result in some man being taken to another realm. Yeah, but there's all that old Greek mythology where gods, quote-unquote, yeah. came and Turn into them. horses and fuck women. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's like the same kind of weird stuff keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this idea of missing time. One striking feature of the Villas Boas encounter deserves mention. As the man was being escorted away from his liaison, he noticed a clock in one of the ship's rooms. It was a box with a glass top and one hand. However, though four hours passed while he was on board the ship, the clock's, had never, uh, the clock's hand never moved. Time does seem to flow differently in stories of human abduction. When Betty and Barney Hill saw a strange craft hovering over their car on a trip through New Hampshire in 1961, they suddenly found themselves 35 miles away, several hours had elapsed in the space of a moment. So it's just the idea of like someone being, you know, whisked off to the realm of the Fae. It's like they're gone and they feel like they've got a year, but then they come back and it's only been a minute. Yeah. Or they feel like they've only been there an hour and, and like ten years. years have passed. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's why they say you're not supposed to walk into a fairy circle because yeah. time flows differently in fairy circles. Long term physical and spiritual effects. Though fairies are often uh, malevolent, even frightening, they're also known for giving gifts to those few humans who have had the good fortune of meeting them. Sometimes these gifts are hilariously mundane. A couple of pancakes, (laughs) while others may include financial prosperity or even supernatural powers like prophecy and healing. One of the legends that sprung up around Robert Kirk after he died walking over a fairy mound in 1692 was that the good people had gifted him with the ability to cure diseases. That's pretty good. Yeah, yet not everyone is so fortunate. The old stories tell of people being afflicted with madness, warts, blindness, and debilitating skin problems after meeting fairies. Uh, in the aftermath of the hill abduction, Barney Hill discovered a near-perfect circle of warts on his body. Ew. The victim of the Penny Wood sighting on December 1980 suffered for years from the effects of radiation poisoning. And this, that is one of the biggest examples that fey uh, abductions and alien abductions may be one and the same. Because uh, one of the biggest parts of being abducted by aliens is being worked on and medically fucked with by the aliens to give you some other abilities, them opening you up and stuff, or right? Or just being affected by the weird conditions on the ship. Yeah, right. so then you come on... Off and you've got warts, 
blindness, some sort of weird shit's going on with your body. A that big you, dose of radiation. It could be just, radiation. Could just be a bunch of different experiments. Yeah, you know, and that, some things result in good things happening to you. Yeah, and some, and some things, things result in bad things yeah. happening to you. Just like a lab rat. Uh, the classic uh, fairy food, the classic study on fairy customs, the fairy faith in Celtic countries, tells a story of a woman living in Brittany who visited the wee folk to complain about a neighbor eating her buckwheat. When she returned Damn, home, she discovered that they had gifted her with a never-ending supply of the stuff, buckwheat being a staple of the fairy diet. In April 1961... Joe Simington asked the U.S. Department of Health to investigate three pancakes that he claimed had been cooked aboard a UFO. What is with these fucking pancakes? pancakes. Sometimes fairies give you pancakes, sometimes aliens give well, you pancakes. I mean, pancakes. Could be the same made thing. Out of buckwheat. Yeah. Makes sense. He had been working in his yard one morning when he saw three small men step out of a flying machine. Simington offered the men some water, and in exchange, they gave him the pancakes. What? <laughs> Air Force analysis of the objects revealed that they contained no salt. According to the Irish, the fairies never taste anything salt and only drink pure water. Interestingly, one of the main ingredients used in preparing the pancakes was buckwheat. <laughs> yeah. What like, the so fuck? We stole some of your buckwheat. So it's like maybe they, they don't know what we like exactly, but they know that we like pancakes. You know, they're like, and well, we I mean, we do like pancakes. Like yeah, it's pancakes. like, well, we know for certain humans like pancakes. Maybe like across. And have for several, several hundred across years. Across dimensions, space, and time, everyone likes pancakes. And, uh, they better. Yeah, the fairies are known for uh, not enjoying salt. That's what the whole, uh, if you Circle spill of salt, salt, you throw it over your shoulder to ward off fairies. Okay. Uh, fairy rings and saucer nests. This is just the idea... That like uh, crop circles, and like spots, like spots of like burned out ground that we would now attribute to a, space, a UFO landing. Mm -hmm. uh, that back in the day was fairy a fairy ring. circle. Yeah, you know. So like these things have been appearing for thousands of years, and we just don't the know what they are, change. but we explain them in the best way that we can for the time. Uh, there's theft of plants and animals. Yeah, so we know all about that. Cattle one. being stolen, horses being ridden. Yeah. To exhaustion, uh, that's pretty simple. Strange behavior. The one constant in all the stories about fairies through the centuries is their outrageous and sometimes disorienting behavior. They are not like humans. Their chameleon-like bodies can fly through the air. They can appear and disappear at will by using magical batons, and they speak in strange and sometimes incomprehensible version of English or whatever the local dialect is. So today, when a construction worker in southern France wanders from his work site and meets a group of dwarves in the forest... When he and seven others are paralyzed by a metal rod that the dwarves carry while a hovering shift lifts them over the trees and out of sight, it seems clear that they are dealing with the same phenomenon, though one that has been given different names and expectations depending on the time and place. So yeah, it's just the idea. It's like, okay, back in the day, fairies kidnapped me, and that's why I wasn't at work. And then today, it's like Travis Walton was like, definitely a UFO kidnapped me. Yeah, because back, I mean, back then, sky was the domain of God. Above... The sky was heaven, so they didn't come from outer space. There was no such thing. Yeah, how yeah, many? Because Earth is a coin that's rushing up very quickly. Yeah, yeah I can no, feel it we're right not now. going there again. <laughs> how many times a year do you think I can use fairy and/or alien abduction to get out of work? Well, one, one of Twice. each. One of each a yeah. year. That seems reasonable, right? Yeah. Use it tomorrow. See what happens. I would like to. I'm yeah. sorry, I've been abducted. I was abducted, been abducted by, by fairies. By fairies. Yeah. I lost time. Yeah, I've been I've been there for 
22 years. I'm calling you on a special fairy phone to let you know. All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we got to talk about fairies. This is all pretty interesting stuff. Right now, we're going to move on to our new segment. You're alone in the middle of the night. And the phone rings. It's someone you don't know. Or worse yet, it is someone you know. And they're dead. Things have just gotten spoopy. Spoopy. Camping. A few months ago, a friend of mine who is an up-and-coming nature photographer decided to spend a day and night alone in the woods outside of our town. She wanted to get photos of the woods and wildlife as naturally as she could for her portfolio. She wasn't afraid of being alone, as she had camped by herself many times before. She set up a tent in the middle of a small clearing and spent the day taking pictures. She filled up four rolls of film on that trip, but when she went and got them developed, she saw four pictures that unsettled her. These four pictures were taken from inside the tent of her asleep in the middle of the night. Leon Zolgos. Leon Zolgos, assassin of William McKinley, the 25th president of the United States, was electrocuted for his crime on October 29, 1901, at Auburn Prison in Auburn, New York. Among the personal effects found in his cell was a U.S. quarter stamped with the date 2218. The face in profile on said quarter was not George Washington, but rather a face which has yet to be identified. The Portraits There was a hunter in the woods who, after a long day of hunting, was in the middle of an immense forest. It was getting dark and having lost his bearings, he decided to head in one direction until he was clear of the increasingly oppressive foliage. After what seemed like hours, he came across a cabin in a small clearing. Realizing how dark it had grown, he decided to see if he could stay there for the night. He approached and found the door ajar. Nobody was inside. The hunter flopped down on a single bed, deciding to explain himself to the mo- The hunter flopped down on a single bed, deciding to explain himself to the owner in the morning. As he looked around the inside of the cabin, he was surprised to see the walls adorned with several portraits, all painted in incredible detail. Without exception, they appeared to be staring down at him, their features twisted into looks of hatred and malice. Staring back, he grew increasingly uncomfortable, making a considered effort to ignore the many hateful faces. He turned to face the wall, and exhausted, he fell into a restless sleep. The next morning, the hunter awoke. He turned blinking in unexpected sunlight. Looking up, he discovered that the cabin had no portraits, only windows. All right, that was our new segment, Spoopy. I hope you guys enjoyed Spoopy. it. I think we're going to make that a regular weekly segment with Get your our scares on with our favorite our favorite s- scary storyteller, Endless Mike Lance over here. I right, make sure you, yeah, make sure that you turn your lights and shit off when you're listening to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good that you told them now after. Well, they can go back and turn the lights off. <laughs> yeah. And there'll be more. Don't worry. Uh, so we got one final segment, and it's called "You Believe in What?" What? Our favorites. What? Mass suicide survivors who stayed behind to keep death cults' bizarre teachings alive for 20 years. 
Yeah, this is weird because I thought all these people died. No, 39 members of Heaven's Gate, the first internet-connected suicide cult, took their own lives, believing an alien spaceship hiding in the tail of a speeding comet was coming to collect their souls. 20 years ago this week, the last of 39 people in identical robes and Nike trainers drank a lethal cocktail of vodka, poison, and applesauce, put plastic bags and purple shrouds over their heads, and laid down to die. They believed an alien spaceship hiding in the tail of a speeding comet was coming to collect their souls. Was it Hale-Bopp? Was that the name of the comet? Sometimes when I have uh, certain... No, I think... No, I forget. Was it the Hale-Bopp comet? I forget. Sorry, what were you saying? Sometimes when I have like certain like vodka shots, I want to kill myself too. So I kind of get it. Usually when you drink a Johnny Vegas. Yeah. Drink a Johnny Vegas, you're like, you know what? I'm just going to put a plastic bag over my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if this is where I am, I'm at, yeah. Uh, the dead were all members of Heaven's Gate, the world's first and most notorious internet-connected suicide cult. They were led by Ar- Marshall Applewhite, a wild-eyed minister's son and former music teacher who was one of the last to die. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, these pictures always creep me out. I know. This is creepy. He founded the sect in 1970, in the 1970s along with uh, Bonnie Nettles. Don't ever trust any man or woman whose last name is Nettles. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're definitely written in by... Like, if we live in a world that's written by an author, and your last... Like, sometimes I wonder that, though. Like, yeah, things your last like, name's Nettles? You, yeah, this, that's foreshadowing right there. You're, you're crazy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they claim to be uh, alien prophets called Dew and T with higher-level minds and toured the U.S. preaching that the Earth was due to be recycled and that humans could ascend to the evolutionary level above human. Okay. This is, yeah, these photos are sick. They're just in their bunk beds. Yeah, they put dead. shrouds. With their Nike. Oh, my God, I have those shoes. Yeah, those are some fresh-ass Nikes. Wait, what? I don't see this. Those shit. are the old-school Cortezes. All right, let me put it up for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, they're pretty common shoes. I like those shoes. Yeah, but it's kind of weird to me that Nike didn't discontinue these shoes after the oh, fact. Oh, yeah, that was uh, one oh, of Dave that. Chappelle's first uh, skits on the Chappelle show. What, did they have great shoes? <laughs> no, it was that it showed the Heaven's Gate footage and then made it into a Nike commercial. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh. As Apple White and his disciples took their one-way journey from Earth, they made sure they left behind a digital legacy. Much of this was widely reported at the time. What wasn't is that in the days before the suicide, two group members were briefed about a side mission. They would remain on Earth, the last surviving members, and their job was to maintain the Heaven's Gate website exactly as it was on the day the last suicides took place. Shit, we gotta check out this website. Oh, fuck. Yeah, probably still there. Yeah, these people are still true believers. Yeah, and for two decades, the lone gators have diligently continued their mission, answered queries, paid bills, and dealt with problems. How are they not in jail for being part of a suicide cult? Well, they didn't kill themselves. They didn't technically do anything wrong. They they weren't the preacher. They didn't give the information. But but they were helping, right? You know? No, everybody did it to themselves. Everybody willingly drank the poison. It's not illegal to kill yourself. It's only illegal to try to kill yourself. Yeah. I guess. No one's ever been prosecuted for killing themselves. Except for Hitler. Except for Hitler. Due to them, uh, the site remains a creepy digital time capsule designed with outdated graphics and fonts and a full video sermons and rambling text. While the pair uh, refuse to give their identity, they are believed to be Mark and Sarah King, a couple in their 60s from Arizona who left the cult headquarters in the late 80s and set up a company called the Tila Foundation, which stands for the Evolutionary Level Above Human. 
They acted as a communication and clearinghouse for the group's public interactions after the suicides. They also fought a two-year legal case to recover property seized by the authorities. Oh, I wonder if they ended up getting it. Yeah. Uh, in an exclusive joint interview, these last Heaven Gate survivors explain they are task partners rather than a married couple who now work normal full-time jobs. So they're task partners. What's a task partner? That means they're just they're partners in they're the partners job, because the cult leader told them to be. Okay. Yeah. We are very private, they say. We are in our mid-60s, but we don't have any family, children, or pets. Our day-to-day lives are working regular jobs, taking care of household chores, and maintaining the website, emails, and other physical and intellectual property issues that arise all the time. People who are close to us know that we do and accept our right to our beliefs, but the regular people we come in contact during the normal day would not know of our circumstance and probably wouldn't care. I would care. I would care. care. If I worked at an office with you, I would definitely have some questions. Yeah, if yeah. I, no, if I worked at an office with you... I also wouldn't drink you, anything you offered to me. I would actually feel really uncomfortable by that. Like, there's a lot of things that don't make me uncomfortable. That would. That would actually be like, one wait, of the things. You're active members of a suicide cult, and you didn't kill yourselves because... Because you, uh, you wanted to keep your shitty 90s website up? Yeah, because you happen to be the lucky ones asked not to? That's weird. Yeah, the Heavens... Uh, well, go ahead and read this next part. I'm going to look up this website. Their Heavens Gate mission takes up much of their time because people are still fascinated with the events of 20 years ago. They go on to say, We get an average of 10 to 12 emails every day from around the world. Some just want to poke fun, but many want to learn more. About 5% want to join, but we tell them it simply isn't possible. So no one else is allowed to join? That's really weird. Yeah, no, everybody else has already ascended. So, Nobody else gets to join. So what is the point of maintaining the website? If no one can join, if you can't do anything further oh, with it... that's so creepy, that photo. Ugh. I don't know, I think it's cool. It's cool in a fucked up way. Makes me smile. Makes me no. Let's uh, create sick. Heaven's Gate 2. Heaven's Gate 2. Electric Boogaloo. Ooh, can it be Heaven's Gate T-O-O? Yeah, Heaven's Gate 2. <laughs> Maintaining the information in some very difficult circumstances for 20 years has been very positive, they say. We are happy because we perform a task we love to do. However, they admit... Not always being taken seriously as one of their bugbears, and that the cult is often represented in a jocular, somewhat sarcastic manner. Yeah, no we just shit. did that. <laughs> we don't mind a slanted point of view, they sigh. As long as the information is truthful, it is not a lot to ask. Their fellow sect followers were men and women aged 26 to 72 who killed themselves with phenobarbital in three waves on... March 24th, 25th, and 26th, 1997. Oh, I didn't know this took place over like three days, wow. three different groups. Yeah, I didn't That's a either. lot of people. The last group uh, neatly arranged their comrades' bodies in bunk beds before committing suicides themselves. Oh, God, I'm going to vomit. That's fucked up. They wore armbands that read, Heaven's Gate Away Team. Plans for the su- suicides took shape after Nettles died of cancer in 1985. This dude looks like a creepy cult leader. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Although I think it's because he's the... In movies nowadays, he's kind of the image they look... The archetype. ...they yeah. use for creepy cult leader. Yeah. When the hale Bop comet made a close pass of Earth in 1996, Applewhite believed her alien incarnation uh, was traveling behind it. Oh, he thought Nettles was traveling behind it. Yeah. 
in a UFO or on an interstellar mission to collect him and the disciples. A year later, when police were led to the smart rented villa in San Diego, California, where Apple, Apple White and his followers died, the grim find made global headlines. Prior to the suicides, Applewhite recorded several videos in which he explained that anyone who wanted to go to the UFO would have to break away from the world and leave behind their human ways and human behavior. The web administrators continue to explain Applewhite's wacky beliefs. So we can actually just go over to the Heaven's Gate website. You're going to like this website. Yeah, this is so 90s. (coughs) Starfield and everything. I haven't seen a Starfield background on a website in forever. What's the red alert? scrolling banner. It says red alert. It, I don't know. It just says red alert. Oh, it, on the other page it says Hail Bop brings closure to Heaven's Gate. As was promised, the keys to Heaven's Gate are here again in T and Do, the UFO 2, as they were in Jesus and his father 2,000 years ago. So here's I've got some videotapes. You can order a hard copy of the book. Oh my God, I dare you to. <laughs> Actually, don't give them your address, please. They have please access don't. to the online book too. Yeah, our position against suicide. So what? They don't believe that they actually died. They believe that they jumped into a UFO. No, open that up. How can we know that no, is only? No, they don't believe they died. All right, so their position against suicide is thus: we know that it is only while we are in these physical vehicles, bodies, that we can learn the lessons needed to compete, complete our own individual transition as well as to complete our task of offering the kingdom of heaven to this civilization one last time. We take good care of our vehicles so that they can function well for us in this task, and we try to protect them from any harm. We fully desire, expect, and look forward to boarding the spacecraft from the next level very soon in our physical bodies. There is no doubt in our mind that our being picked up is inevitable for this very, in the very near future. Yeah, future. But what happens between now and then is the big question. We are keenly aware of several possibilities. So this they, this is like written before they decided to kill everyone. Well, I guess they've been yeah they've been talking about it for a while at this point. Hold on. So he goes on to say it has always been our way to examine all possibilities and be mentally prepared for whatever may come our way. For example, some consider what happened at Masada around 73 A.D. A devout Jewish Jewish sect, after holding out against a siege by the Romans to the best of their ability and seeing that the murder, rape, and torture of their community was inevitable, determined that it was permissible for them to evacuate their bodies by a more dignified and less agonizing method. We have thoroughly discussed this topic and have mentally prepared ourselves for the possibility. However, this act certainly does not does need serious consideration at this time. Hopefully, will not in the future. So yeah, this I guess this was written before they decided. This must have been before. How weird! I don't understand. They left it up. Why would you even? Why would you leave that? Exit pre-release. Away team returns to level above human. Yeah. So. Okay. These motherfuckers are dead. By the time you receive this, we'll be gone. Several dozen of us. We came from the level above human in distant space, and we have now exited the bodies that we were wearing for our earthly task to return to the world whence we came. Task completed. The distant space we refer to is what your religious literature will call the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. We came for the purpose of offering a doorway to the kingdom of God at the end of this civilization. At the end of this age, the end of the millennium. We came from that level, that time, this space. Okay, yeah, this is rambling crazy shit. Oh my god. Yeah. Here's some relevant scripts. Yeah, I'm not reading any of these. Okay, so... 
Yeah, no, these... I, I, yeah, I don't get it. If they were evacuating their bodies, then why would they go onto a spaceship? Why would this, they need a spaceship? I don't fucking know, but this is... This is weird. Yeah. I mean, and these people's only job is to keep this fucking crazy website. And it, up. it's mm-hmm. it's and hor- they're still true believers. Like to this, this day. is legitimately horrifying. How do we email them? Yeah, seriously. Oh, uh, it's down at the bottom. You missed it. Contact. Yeah, there's a for materials can be emailed to rep at heavensgate.com. It's a little bit above where oh, your mouse is. Yeah. Um, it's so horrifying. Like, I've been on the internet long enough. I've frequented 4chan for as long as I can remember. And I've seen some really gross shit. I've seen suicide notes before. That one bothers me the most. I don't know. Like, it really freaks me out. How and when the Heaven's Gate may be entered. Yeah, that's some crazy stuff. You know, guys. This is this is crazy. I'm gonna have to get off this site because I'm starting to believe this stuff, guys. Yeah, I think we should. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. um, does anyone have any vodka and applesauce and phenobarbital? Bar- yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the good stuff. Yeah. Where do you get that? All right, we gotta get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Check out mysteriousnesses.com and uh, write us a review on iTunes. That would help us a lot. Uh, and you can contact us on uh, facebook.com backslash mysteriousnesses or at our email sp um, mysteriousnesses at gmail.com mysteriousnesses sp or sp mysteriousnesses sorry mysteriousnesses pc pc podcast at, for podcast at gmail.com yeah okay that's, yep. that's it All right. that, that last one we gotta remember our own email we yeah. should alright we're getting out of here guys thank you so much for listening Good night.